Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. Thank you, guys. It's an honor to be with you and a privilege. And I, be, I believe in this house. I believe in this church and uh, in the leadership um, as well. So it's great to be with you. Well, um, to be honest with you, I brought three messages with me today. Don't panic. I'm not going to speak them all, okay? Um, and, and it's interesting. I kind of, oftentimes, that's how the Lord leads of uh, I'll bring things in and then I'll kind of just see where we're at and what the Lord is doing. Uh, uh, because I want to I wanna do what I see my father doing. <laughs> I don't want to just bring a good word. I want to bring a God word. So s- several people have made mention of the bridge that we sang today. I want to be spilled out. I want to be spilled out. I want to go all out in my love for you. And uh, that kind of spoke to one of the things that was uh, brewing and percolating in my spirit. And it's a story that comes from Luke chapter 7, verse 36 uh, through 50. I'm going to read it for you. Um, It is a story, so you'll be able to stay engaged. But it says, now one of the Pharisees was requesting Jesus to dine with him. And he entered the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table And there was a woman in that city who was a sinner. (laughs) And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, (laughs) he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, say it, teacher. A money lender had two debtors and owed 500 denarii and the other 50 Uh, When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave the most. And said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss But she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's just pray over the word. Father God, I thank you again for your word. 
that, Lord, it is still writing upon the tablets of our heart today. Lord, I thank you that your word is living and it's active and it's powerful. It's not just stories or principle. Lord, it is spirit and it is life. Lord, make your word alive in us. Bring it alive in us to accomplish your purposes within us, within others, and in the earth to the glory of God for the building of your kingdom. Amen. Amen. All right, so here's this clincher statement at the end, all right? We were, we were just singing, again, I, I want to be spilled out. I want to be spilled out. I want to be poured out. Uh, I want to go all out in my love for you. I remember when I was a teenager, I got saved as a teenager, and um, I, one of my regular prayers was, Lord, I want to love you more than anybody I know. I would pray that all the time. Lord, I want to love you more than anybody I know. <laughs> I, I don't know if I did well with that or not. But it's, you know, it, it's, a, it's a noble goal. It's a noble goal. But this verse uh, always kind of interested me for this reason. It says, those that have been forgiven much, love much. And, you know, in those days, it kind of seemed like there was a, testimony contest. <laughs> Have you ever been in a testimony contest where, you know, you get up and you share how you get saved. And then the person after you is like, yeah, I was a drug addict from 12 years old till, you know, 15. And oh yeah, I killed my mom. And, uh, you know, and they're going on and on and on and about all their sin. And, um, and then you're like, man, I got to improve my testimony. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> now guys, if we took this verse, just isolated it, which you don't do with scripture, okay? You don't isolate it out. But if you, if you pulled it out, you could kind of wrongly think that people who have been forgiven the most or have sinned the most love God more than others and there's nothing you can do about it. Unless you just want to go out and sin some more to, so that you can love God better. Don't do that. That is not a point in this message, okay? So, so don't do that. But it, it's like, how do I love God more? How do I love God more? How do I love God more than I have? How do I love God more than anybody else in the sense of, I just want to be poured out. I want to be all out in my love for you. So here, it almost gives the impression like you would have to go out and sin more. You would have to go out and do, you know, terrible things. And, you know, one of the things I realized is that I had the same testimony as that guy because I was also delivered from drugs and alcohol and a spirit of murder. I was just delivered before I did it. I thought it, <laughs> you know what I mean? So have you, come on now, you. <laughs> I was just delivered before. Because <laughs> I'm so prophetic. That's why, it's just, yeah. But um, 
Certainly it doesn't mean that if you want to love God, then you have to go get really messed up first so that he can forgive you. It doesn't mean that people with the worst backgrounds will always love God more and there's nothing you can do about it. No, of course not. But what does it mean? Um, there are some things this story teaches us about love and I want to, about loving the Lord. And I want to share those with you. The first one is this, that the woman loved much because she had a revelation of her own sinfulness. And this is what I'm talking about. She had a revelation of what her life was like without Jesus. That's something you never want to lose. And, and I heard, I heard uh, Renee speak a, a message on depravity and an encounter she had with, with the idea of human depravity, which is just how we would be without Jesus. It's, it's not how we are. It's how we would be without Jesus. You know, the most religious guy in the Bible, Saul, all right, who became Paul the Apostle, he called himself the chief of sinners. As a matter of fact, I heard an old preacher say one time that human goodness is the worst form of badness because it masks our need for a savior. See, we're more focused on external behaviors than the attitudes of the heart. At the top of heaven's sin charts are really things like unbelief, thanklessness, pride, self-righteousness. See, we think about the external acts, but we don't think about the place that love comes from, the place of the heart. And the condition in the heart in not trusting God and not believing. To tell you the truth, unbelief's the only sin that can keep you out of heaven. It's the only unforgivable sin to not have believed upon the name of Jesus. Human goodness is the worst form of badness because it keeps men from knowing their need for a savior. And he said, the halls of hell will be lined with good intentions. Paul said in 1 Timothy 1.15, it's a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners among whom I and their chief. To love much, we have to have a real revelation of how lost we were when Jesus found us, but also of what life would be without him. Just don't forget what life would be without him. Just don't forget where you would be if it weren't for the love of God, if it weren't for the grace of God. That'll keep you in a place of first love. It'll keep you in this place that we sang over and over today that we want to be all out in our love for him. How do we do that? Remember. Remember. Have a revelation of what you'd be. It's, it's not about 
how much you've sinned or not sinned. It's that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That every single person has missed the mark. And without Jesus, we'd all be a mess. So love starts there. Loving much starts there with the realization of, of God so loved the world. That this is all about the love of the Father. All this. Everything in life, everything in the earth, all the drama that's going on, ultimately it's still about a father who is looking for lost sons and daughters. Who's redeeming a sense of family. Secondly, she loved much because she had a revelation of her opportunity of freedom and righteousness. See, you cannot stay in a revelation only of your depravity or you'll miss the kingdom of God. Why? Because the scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Come on, and his righteousness. The scripture says that the Holy Spirit came into the earth to convict us of sin and to convince us of righteousness. And there are so many believers within the earth that have stopped at the conviction of sin and have not pressed into a conviction of now I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. He has absolutely transformed me from this depraved, wretched sinner to a son of God in whom he has entrusted the virtues of the kingdom of God. And there is a kingdom transfer that takes place. There is this paradigm shift that has to take place in those that are lovers of God. Not just from their depravity and the forgiveness there, but the freedom and the entrustment of the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit is here not just to convict you of sin, but to convince you. That he's made you righteous. To convince you that everything that stands against you has been nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ. That there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on, when the devil reminds you of your failure, remind him of his future. Jesus became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. It is a position. It is a position that he has placed us in. It is a baptism into the person of Christ. Before you were ever baptized in water, you were baptized into the person of Christ. Did you know that the word baptize comes from, uh, the first time it appeared, the word baptizo was not in the Bible. It was in a Greek pickling recipe. That's the first time the word appears. And what it means is you go down a cucumber into the brine solution and you come out something different. And you can never be a cucumber again. 
because the brine has actually changed the nature Come on, she loved much because she got pickled. Come on. She got pickled in the Holy Ghost, man. She got into the atmosphere of the divine nature of the only righteous person on the planet and made an exchange between her sinfulness and his righteousness. And it is not enough for you to be forgiven and grateful. You must be free and the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. There is a divine exchange that is at the root of this love. There's a divine exchange that is at the very root of the kingdom of God. There's many people that are interested in kingdom language and kingdom principle and kingdom structure. And I am one of them. But don't forget that we seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. If you have his kingdom but you do not have his righteousness, you have not yet had the revelation of the king and his kingdom. The Holy Spirit is here to convince you of something. Quit holding yourself responsible. Quit living in a, in a myth of separation. Come on, Christianity is not separation anxiety. It's divine union. I wish I were closer. I wish I were closer. You can't get closer than in. You're in Christ and Christ is in you. Quit trying to do what you already have through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And be in Christ and let Christ be in you. That's the hope of glory. That's a conviction. Not just of sin, but a conviction of your righteousness in Jesus. It's like, Dano, that sounds too good to be true. Exactly. Exactly. You couldn't do it. It's impossible for you. Remember, Christianity is not meant to be hard. It's meant to be impossible. You're not supposed to be able to do it without him. And if you can do it without him, you're doing it wrong. It's the righteousness of God from first to last. It's the righteousness of God apart from humanity, apart from human works, apart from human effort. All we have to do is believe upon the righteous one. To believe upon the person of Christ and he will make that exchange. He will make that transfer. And I am telling you that there are even good Christians, good believers in this room who have the love of forgiveness, but not the love of freedom through the righteousness of Christ. And God wants to set you free today. He wants you to set you free from your personal performance, from all your do's and all your don'ts. He wants to set you free from how well you've followed and how well you've managed and how well you've stewarded back into the grace of God, back into the righteousness of Jesus Christ, back into even now that I'm saved, even now that I'm saved, listen, I want to manifest the righteousness of God. I want to, I want to, I want to bear fruit in keeping with my repentance. Don't get me wrong. But listen, 
it didn't start about my performance and it will not end about my performance. It will be Jesus from first to last. It will be Jesus from beginning to end. It will be Christ's righteousness I will trust and his alone. And there's so many people in their desire to please God that start making an exchange between the righteousness of Christ and start trying to earn back their own righteousness. Don't do it. It's a trap. It's what the book of Galatians calls being under a spell, being bewitched, totally losing this spiritual reality. Come on. There, there, is, there is a witchcraft of performance that is trying to suck you out of the grace of God. It's trying to suck you out of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying get forgiven and live however you want. That is that's foolishness. We don't use the grace of God as a license to sin. But we also don't use the grace of God to just set new marks of performance for our own self-righteousness. It doesn't work that way. You are because of Christ. In him you live and move and have your being. And the scripture says that those that have judged themselves by themselves are unwise. Let that be a place of love. Let that be a place of connection. Not only for what I was when Christ saved me and what I would be without Christ, but come on, this love comes from in one moment being a sinner to one moment, the next moment, being totally righteous, totally forgiven, totally free, totally accepted, There's a place of our love that is there that we need to recapture as believers. And there's a third way that she loved. First of all, she had a revelation of her life apart from Christ. Then she had a revelation of her life in Christ. And then there's three pieces here that I want to speak to for a moment. First of all, I was, uh, as, as Renee said, we have a, a training program that we do, uh, this prophetic training. And, and the, the school of prophetic trainers isn't just for those who will train. That school is actually an immersion experience in the prophetic. So you literally prophesy like 12 to 15 times a day. And receive 12 to 15 words. It, it is like an internal processor's nightmare. But, uh, <laughs> but it, it, it is glory for those who have the courage to stir up the gift of God that's inside of them. And, uh, and then at the end, we give an opportunity for our trainers to, uh, uh, for people to join our training team. And uh, so one of our trainers asked me this week, uh, how do we overturn atmospheres? And actually, I prepared a whole message on that because I thought that's what I was going to speak on. And, uh, and one of the reasons is because I've kind of been losing some ground in atmosphere. I'm usually pretty good at atmosphere, but I've been losing some ground on atmosphere. Um, 
I've let some atmosphere happen, even in my home. And, and, you know, through the news and all that kind of stuff, you know, you can start giving up ground on atmosphere. Have you, have you done that? And then, you know, when you give it up around you, you often start getting it within you. You start living outside in instead of inside out. And uh, uh, because inside is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. And so I know how to return to home base. Like, I'm really good at it. I, I know how to go to the safe house of Jesus when everything is chaotic and just hide myself in him. It, it, it's a powerful tool. Um, but I had given up some ground, and the Lord was showing me that I was giving up some ground. And even at School of the Prophets a few weeks ago in, in Redding, California, um, the Lord spoke to me three times, and he said, I want them to take responsibility for the atmosphere. And so I was going to go there, and the Lord kind of spoke a a compliment over me. You know, I was talking to him about the atmosphere thing. And he said, uh, he said, you're really good at using the gifts of the Spirit to overturn the atmosphere. I'm like, thank you, Lord. You taught me that. Um, because he did, and I am, I'm good at it. I can use gifts and signs and wonders and declarations of faith and discerning of spirits. I can use gifts of the spirit to overturn an atmosphere. But he's, he, um, and I teach on that and have taught on that for years. And uh, last night, actually, he said to me, um, I want to teach you another way. I'm like, awesome. And he goes, actually, the fruit of the spirit is one of the most powerful things for overturning the atmosphere. And I'm like, oh, I see it. When we love people, when we enjoy people, like when we live with joy and, and when we manifest peace, when chaos is all around us and, and, uh, and when we're patient with people, it's like those things overturn the atmosphere. And I was really getting into it like you are. And uh, thank you for that. You guys are so easy. Y'all, y'all to rent yourself out to young preachers to just encourage them. But uh, yeah, I love your hunger. I love your, I love your celebration of the truth. So I was like, okay, Lord, I can see it. I need to, I need to demonstrate my love. I need to demonstrate. My joy, I need to release my peace, I need to, and he's like, yeah, and I knew it was one of those yeah buts, you know what I mean? And you know that God's got a big butt, you know what I mean? Like, I learned that from my wife. She says God's butt is bigger than yours. Because when he says butt, it's going to be big. And this is what he said, and it was so beautiful. He goes, hey, before you try to do this, he goes, first of all, why don't you be this? I'm like, okay. And he goes, nope, you're still thinking of being as something to do. And I go, okay, so how do we do this? How do we be this? And he goes, let me love you. Then he said, let me enjoy you. 
Can you feel my delight for you? And then he said, I want you to deeply experience the peace you have with God. Not just the peace, the peace between you and God. See, we just took the communion emblems and one of the great results of the blood of Jesus is that it actually made peace between God and his creation. It's through the blood of Jesus that we have absolute peace with God. One of the reasons you can't find peace is when you don't know that he's at peace with you because of the blood of Jesus. And before you try to be peace, let him be peace to you. Know the depths of his peace and his patience with you. Know that he wants to be so kind towards you. And so gentle. Know that he is faithful to a thousand generations for those who love him. Like, before you try to manifest the fruit of the Spirit, and you can because Holy Spirit is in you. But again, guys, if you're not careful, it's another form of performance. It's another form. It's another, it's, it's another structure. It's, it's a mechanism of kingdom reality without a depth of experience. And the key to loving much is first to let him love the hell out of you. Every thought of inadequacy, every thought of incompetence, those are thoughts of hell. Let him love the hell out of you. You have to let him. Because he works through gentleness and he works through permission. Part of his fruit is gentleness. And so he doesn't violate your will in, in this. So you actually have to yield yourself to his love. You have to yield yourself to his joy and take every captive. Every thought captive that doesn't align with that. He's enjoying you and delighting in you. He finds such pleasure in you. And you've got to fight from the pleasure of God, not for the pleasure of God. If you don't fight from the pleasure, you'll find yourself back in a place of striving and struggling that is not the kingdom and it's not love. So first... She experienced the love of God. <laughs> she experienced that God could enjoy her. That God could receive her. That there could be peace between her and God. Between a woman who was known, like her identity was as a sinner. And she could have peace with God. So first of all. Before you start trying to give, make sure you're receiving. Make sure you're receiving and that you're receiving all the fruit of the Spirit, not just in you, but toward you. Toward you, toward you, toward you. Come on. You, 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 could, do a, you could do an amazing fast with that. Just 
fast everything that doesn't fit the fruit of the Spirit. Every thought, just fast those thoughts and meditate upon God loving you and enjoying you and and having peace with him and and being in his patience. <laughs> Come on. Patience isn't just something that, um, patience isn't just, you know, God's timing or something. Love is patient. So patience is a place of love. Patience is a place of virtue. And feel the love of God and his patience toward you. And we could go on and on with the fruit of the spirit. But here's the second thing. She had an extravagant act of obedience, okay? In loving the Lord much, the scripture does say that um, one of the ways to love him is to obey him. And um, the greatest testimonies in scripture are from 20 seconds of radical obedience. The woman with the issue of blood, she's not supposed to be there. Like society says, you can't be here. Don't touch us. You're going to make us unclean. We don't want your gross stuff around us. And she's like, but I know if I can touch Jesus, I'll be changed. And so she presses through the crowd. Or how about blind Bart sitting along the road and, and Jesus is walking down the road and everybody's trying to get his attention. Everybody's trying to touch him. But he is screaming at the top of his lungs, son of David, have mercy on me, son of David. And they, they went over and tried to quiet him, but he would not be quieted. <laughs> Thank you for that. That amen. Would not be quieted. And, and, and so he gets the miracle. We were uh, at my son's house in California the other day and every Friday night they have a tradition that they do family movie night and they uh, they make special food, and so my wife and I were there for family movie night, and it was fun. We were watching the uh, movie. Last time we were there, we were watching the movie. We bought a zoo, and uh, and in this movie, this son and his uh, and his father are estranged because of the loss of his mother. Uh, she dies, and and they don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to connect. And it comes to this place where this young teenage son falls in love, you know, <laughs> and wants to tell the girl that he likes her. And, and finally, they find this connection point. And he's like, Dad, how do you tell a girl you like her? And he said, 20 seconds of radical boldness. 20 seconds of just pulling all your courage into that one moment and risking saying or doing something stupid. And, uh, and as he was saying it, I was thinking about every miracle that I've seen in my life was 20 seconds of radical obedience. Every incredible breakthrough I have seen is, is just this radical act of believing. This radical act of, of, of knowing, this radical act of stepping in to the love of God to demonstrate that he is alive and that he cares. And, and, and it's this mustering of, of, the, of the grace and the strength and the courage and all those things. And, and I think about this woman, man, when she, 
when she broke through that crowd of Pharisees, knowing what they thought of her, knowing that they knew who she was and knowing all things about her, and she didn't care. She just wanted to get to Jesus. She just wanted to love on Jesus. But did you know how that must have started? That started as a thought. That started as a desire. And at some point, she had to choose all that because there was some preparation involved with the alabaster box and all that kind of stuff. Like, this was not just something that happened in the moment. This was premeditated. When she heard that Jesus was going to be there, she started thinking and dreaming about an encounter with Jesus. And then in 20 seconds of radical obedience, she ran through all the religion and all the rejection and all the shame and the embarrassment and what Jesus would do or wouldn't do. She didn't care anymore. All she cared is that she put herself in that place of loving Jesus. Our greatest moments in the power expressions, but even the kindness expressions and and the goodness expressions of the love of God are really just 20 seconds of radical obedience. They're just deciding in the moment that God loves them enough and loves you enough to to get this done. (laughs) And she took one of those chances, and I think it's really, really beautiful. And the final thing is, it was an act of significant service. It was an act of service. You know, sometimes when it seems like your love is going cold or growing cold, the best thing you can do is not lock yourself in the room It's get out somewhere and serve somebody. Get out somewhere and love on somebody. Because what happens is we get into this whole me realm. We get into this and and we always think, well, if I can spend enough time in the secret place or with Jesus, and it becomes just another place of accusation. Because how much time is enough time? How much word is enough word? How much prayer is enough prayer? How much fasting is enough fasting? I'm not saying don't do those. I'm just saying you're not scoring points on the record card of heaven. Those things are an expression of your intimacy, not the qualifiers of your intimacy. And and so sometimes what the reason your love is is kind of um, jammed up is because it's been all about you. (laughs) And even though it's all about you and Jesus, it's like, no, no, no. Remember that the love of God is contained in two divine rules. Like, man, the, the old covenant had all these rules and all these restrictions. It's still very wise to follow a lot of them, but, but the, uh, the new covenant has two, (laughs) Love God with everything and love people like you love yourself. <laughs> as you want to be loved, as you need to be loved. And, and, and so sometimes the love of God in you will, will explode according to the love of God through you. And you let your heart go out to somebody else and your heart gets healed. 
you, you let your heart go out to touch somebody else and, and that, that sense of being distant or that sense of being disconnected or that sense of, of not being fully committed to the love of God, it dissolves in that act of service. It dissolves in that place of, of giving away the love of God. And so what's she doing? She's serving. She's anointing his head. She's washing his feet. She's, she's kissing on him. She is in a significant place of service in that moment. And I think today as we sang this beautiful bridge, and you know what? We might just bring the worship team up and go back into it. Uh, so if you guys want to come up, um, we're finishing here. But it says, you know, again, I won't be, I want to be spilled out. I want to be spilled out. I want to go all out in my love for you. All right. Let's review what it means to go all out in our love for him. First of all, it's remembering what you would be without Jesus. Can we go there just a moment? I mean, you can remember what you were without Jesus. But you can even project forward to see what you would be right now without him. And let just that sense of thankfulness, of gratitude, let it just overwhelm your heart. Oh God, thank you. That the, you said the love of God is demonstrated in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That you didn't measure our performance. You didn't measure your redemption by our performance. Lord, you just loved. And so, Lord, we receive that, <laughs> that measure of love in our lives today. But I also want to say she was convinced of righteousness. The Holy Spirit doesn't stop at conviction. The Holy Spirit presses in to convince you that now you are righteous. Now you are free. Now you are God's. And some of you today, like, the love of God is stopped up in you because you have not a revelation of your righteousness in Christ Jesus. And the Lord wants to dissolve that too. Honestly, it's a form of unbelief or of ignorance. And, and it's time to say, God, I believe. God, I believe. Holy Spirit, I thank you that your work in this room for those that do not know Jesus or for those that are straying away is to convict us, to bring us back to a place of a sound mind in Jesus. But Lord, for those that have already experienced that, I thank you that your work among us is to convince us of our righteousness in Jesus. So Holy Spirit, I... I just ask today that you would move through this room and that we, we would yield ourselves to the conviction of righteousness, which is the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and everything else is just going to come into place. So, Father, we seek first your kingdom and we seek first your righteousness and Lord, in that place, we find this incredible well of love. And then, Father, like the woman, we...
come to you and we yield to your love. We let you love us, not just love us, we let you enjoy us. We come into the peace between God and man, which could only be established through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We come into the kindness of God. We come into the goodness of God, not just as concepts, but as realities that are already ours, as feelings that we can have in God and meditations we can have to displace dysfunction. And Father, I pray that there would be a grace upon us to yield to the love of God being shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that this week people are going to experience some how, how do I tell Jesus I love him through 20 seconds of radical obedience. <laughs> Pressing past the, the appropriateness of the situation. Pressing past the, um, the chicken line. Lord, pressing past all the questions and just, just pouring out our love in a radical act of obedience. You said, those who love me, obey me. And Lord, we just want to walk in that measure of radical obedience and significant service. Lord God, let us not miss the practical for the power. Lord, we want to be both the Mary and the Martha. We want to be both the power, but we want to be the power gifts in the fruit of love and joy. And Lord, so help us recognize opportunities to love you this week by serving others with your heart, with your nature, with your goodness. I'm going to ask in this room right now, if you have never given your life to Jesus, then know that this is still as available to you as it was to that, to that woman who broke through the crowd, who broke through religion to experience the love of Jesus. It's, it's here for you today. And I want to encourage you to do that. But I also want to speak to our believers in this room, our sons and daughters who have known their father and known the love of the father, but you felt like your love's been kind of growing cold in a way. Or you felt a little bit lukewarm in your fire, in your love, in your passion. I, I want something to be ignited in you. And, and so I'm going to ask you in just a moment, I'm going to ask you if that's you to just raise your hand as, a, as an act of obedience. Say, yeah, I, I feel like i kind of been, you know, lukewarmish. And, and I feel like I have a pathway now to just yield to the love of God and let him love me and, and step into the righteousness of Christ and, and then move from acts 20 seconds of radical faith and obedience and, and to find others to serve. So you feel like, yeah, it's kind of been that, but I feel like I got a key today. If that's you, would you just stick your hand in the air? Cause I want to release the grace over your confession right now. Father God, I thank you for every person that's raising their hand in this place. And father, I thank you that your love is no way diminished in them, for them, or through them. That, Lord, your love is a constant reality. And so, Lord, I pray today that every thought and every feeling that has held the love of God captive, Lord, we make it obedient right now to the knowledge of Christ. And, Father, I pray again, 
Holy Spirit, release a revelation of your righteousness, of their connectedness. Lord, release in us a grace to fully yield to the fruit of your spirit and your delight in us and for us. And then, Lord, help us radically love others with the love through which you've loved us. The love that God the Father has for Jesus Christ is the love that he has for us today in Christ Jesus. We give you thanks. Amen. Come on, let's just thank the Lord with our hands. Let's thank him with our voices. Yes, God, you are good. We thank you. We step in to a deep measure of the love of God. You know what? You can just say it like I did when I was a teenager. I want to love God more than anybody I know. Come on, say it right now. I want to love God more than anybody I know. And you can do that through the love of God today and what he is pouring out. Thank you guys so much. Bless you, church. I'm going to turn it over to Eddie here. So great to be with you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.